Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Well, um, I missed you guys last week. I was preaching for uh, my parents in southern Oklahoma, otherwise known as Do Ramp. And uh, did my wife do okay last Sunday? Did Heather, Heather bring the word? Right. Yeah. Whoever said women can't preach, I don't know what they're thinking. But... Uh, because she can. She can do it. But I, have, I heard a lot, a lot of good feedback from her. And normally, I'm sure uh, it's going to happen again. She always gets more downloads than I do on podcasts. I don't understand why, but it happens every time. So I'm already just going to go ahead and congratulate her on that. Great job, honey. You win again. And uh, <clears throat> But I was, we were there. Uh, I was in Oklahoma, and we had a great time uh, there with the river, the church called the river. My, that, actually, my mom really is considered the pastor of the church. Dad just shows up and preaches and because uh, he, he's so involved with Christ for the nation. So she's there to, to run the place and they honor her as their pastor. It's wonderful. But they've been in Israel the last couple of weeks. And uh, my dad, my mom, if you've been following them on Facebook at all, mom's been posting all these pictures of their, their trips, something they've wanted to do all their lives. And my dad was preaching in Caesarea yesterday. Uh, this big amphitheater is really awesome. And I know that's a dream come true from, for him, uh, especially in that city where we know the story of Cornelius. And we're going to talk about that uh, for a little bit this morning in Acts chapter 10. But first, we're going to go to Mark chapter 16, because today, because last week was Pentecost Sunday and we didn't get to, to acknowledge that like we, we'd like to, today we're going to do that. Is that all right for a week late on Pentecost Sunday? Okay. Um, and uh, today, I'm happy and excited to talk to you about talk to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's, in, it's important for the believer. It's important for all of us believers to have this uh, as a regular practice in our life, to pray in the Holy Spirit because, you know, Paul admitted something for us and about all of us, and that is that we don't know how to pray as we ought. You know, we, we, I, you know, we know how to pray according to the scriptures and those kinds of things, but, but there are situations and things going on all the time in the spirit, and, and we cannot see with these earthly eyes, and we cannot understand with this mind. So we have to rely on the spirit, and if we'll, we'll yield, yield to the spirit and to the language of the spirit, we'll be able to declare things out there that will, that will, that will move mountains, that will work miracles, that will, that will protect and shield and help. We just have no idea, but it connects us to the secrets of God. It's a marvelous thing, the language of the Spirit, something that connects us to. That's one of the words for mysteries. Who prays in a tongue speaks mysteries or the secrets of God. Phenomenal. And that God involves you in getting his secret out. Amen. So I'm excited to, to bring this word to you. And for some of you here today, maybe you've never experienced uh, the infilling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Today, you have, you're going to have the opportunity. I'm very excited for that. And the, maybe some of you are just out of practice. I won't have a, anybody raise their hands or anything, but uh, you know who you are. But I want to encourage you in that and to, and to, to be proactive in, your, in praying in the Spirit because uh, He knows exactly what to pray. Your spirit, man, knows exactly what to pray. He just needs your voice. He just needs your tongue to use so that He can get these things out. Amen? So let's go to Mark 16 and look, let's look at verse 17. Now Jesus has, has risen from the dead and now he's going to spend the next 40 days or so with his disciples and he's going to be talking about things concerning the kingdom of God and then giving some last minute instructions. And one of the most important things he tells them is, is that he said, 
I'm, I'm going to leave, and it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, I'm, I try to put myself in their shoes for that moment, right? They've been with him three and a half years, and to hear him say, it's to your advantage that I go away, I would be thinking, how in that, is that possibly to my advantage, Jesus, that you would leave? And he said, because if I don't go, the helper will not come. But when he comes, he's going to show you and bring to remembrance the things that I told you. He will guide you into all truth. He's going to be there as your comforter, as your, as your guide, and as your peace. He's going to show you the way. You're going to know that you know that you know because he lives in you. Because you know what, guys? It's one thing for me to be with you here on the earth, but it's another thing for me by the Spirit to be in you. And they didn't understand that at first, but they got it later. So this 40 days... Uh, uh, Jesus is talking to them. One of the things he says is here in Mark chapter 16, and he's, and he's, he's priming the pump for, for their expectation to see what's coming. And he says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And he says, all these things that will happen, signs that will follow believers, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are things that will be following a believer's life. And one of those things Jesus said is they will speak in new tongues. And so uh, in, in the Greek, if you look up the, the word, the phrase new tongue, it means by implication, a language, specifically a language not acquired naturally. So it's not something that you can learn in the classroom, even though we learn other languages of the world. And if you're in Texas, more than likely it's going to be Spanish other than English. But this says you can't acquire it. You cannot learn this naturally. So there's only one other way we can learn it, and that is by the Spirit. It's an utterance of the Spirit. So he's telling them you're going to learn a new language. You're going to speak a new tongue. It's not something that you learn here. The Spirit is going to teach you. Yeah. All right? So we come to Acts chapter 1, and right before Jesus ascends into heaven, in verse 4, he says this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He said, this is the one I'm, I told you about earlier. He's coming now. So you need to go wait for him. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it wasn't very many days. Jesus ascends into heaven, and now we open up Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Stick with me because I'm going to go over a few scriptures uh, as we get to where we're going. All right? Everybody okay? Come on, tell your neighbor, pay attention. All right. And when, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house, the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. All right, so they have this sign, this kind of flame sitting on top of their head. All right, there's the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and then there's this divided tongue as of fire sitting upon each one of them. And they were all filled, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Did you hear that? Filled with the Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's important that we understand that. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The word for utterance there is the only time in the Bible it's used. 
the Greek word, I'll, I'll try to pronounce it, apop, <laughs> I've already failed. Apopthingomai. All right, that's my best attempt, all right? Actually, if you say it a bunch over and over again, you might get filled with the Spirit. Apopthingomai. It's one time it's mentioned in, throughout the entire Bible. Listen to this. This is the Spirit who gave them that word. Not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. The Spirit gave them this not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Isn't that just like the wisdom of God? Right? Because everybody else that's around there, they didn't hear dignified and elevated discourse. At least those that didn't hear it in their own language. There were many Jews who were there. The scripture lists 14 different nations and all these Jews but these Jews that were from these 14 different nations were all gathered there because of the feast. And now they hear these 120 Galileans speaking, but they all of a sudden understand it in their own language. But then there was a lot of other people who didn't even understand what was going on. All right, They didn't know what was happening. They just hear this gibberish, right? And to the natural mind, that's what it sounds like. Anybody here praying in other tongues? Just go ahead and raise your hand. If you speak in other tongues, right? Does that sound like dignified and elevated discourse to you? No, it sounds ridiculous is what it sounds. Let's just be honest. It sounds goofy, right? But this is how the wisdom of God works because he's always confounding the wisdom of man. You remember 1 Corinthians 1 says that not many wise, not many noble, not many strong. God, God does not pick the best of the best. He doesn't call the best of the best. He calls the least of the least. That's what it seems like he does over and over again. The weak, the debased, the foolish, and he uses those things to confound the wise, right? That's, that's why I, I can never, I would, be, I would be foolish to stand up here and act like that, <clears throat> you better listen to me because I'm called of God, <laughs> right? Because I have to remember, okay, if I'm called of God, that means I was either a fool or weak. So God said, oh yeah, he's not much, so we'll, we'll make something of him. All right, so that we would never glory in our call. We'd never glory in ourselves. We would just glory in him. So there's no way I could have, God plucked me out of a little town called Thackerville, Oklahoma, and decided to do something great with my life, and I'm grateful for it today. Not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. That's phenomenal to me. All right, this is the first, and and in this event, all that were filled with the Spirit were Jews, and all that were saved. 3,000 people got saved by this miracle that took place. 3,000 people, because Peter stood up, because there was all this confusion. People were going, these people are drunk. Peter's like, no, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It was 5 o'clock, you might have a point, but it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk, all right? Here's what's happening. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, who declared, in the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. All right? And so Peter makes sense of it. He ends up preaching the gospel, talking about Christ being killed by the Jews and then raised from the dead. And then 3,000 people that they were converted to Christ. 3,000. So the church went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. It was a miraculous, miraculous growth, miraculous thing. And the church continued to explode, expanding, expanding, and expanding, increasing. And, 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 and as it did, they began to fulfill that great commission to go into all the world. Well, as far as they knew, 
this was only going to happen for the Jewish people. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that Peter finally gets the revelation from God that this gospel is for all the world, the entire world, when he ends up at a man's house by the name of Cornelius, there in Caesarea, where I was telling you about where my parents were. And Cornelius, the scripture says, was a good man. He was a devout man. He's one who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people, the scripture says. But there was, even though he looked good on the outside, he still wasn't saved. So God sent an angel to go tell him, send men down, uh, down to Joppa, town of Joppa, which is 30 miles south of, uh, of Caesarea along the coast. And there's a guy named Peter. He will come and tell you what you need to hear. All right? So he did. And four days later, Peter ends up at Cornelius' house. This is all found in Acts chapter 10. And these are all, all uh, Gentiles. And in that four days, Cornelius had invited everybody that he loves, all of his family and friends, and he fills up his house with all these people. Peter shows up and says, it's not even lawful that I'm even here in this house with you because <clears throat> I am a Jew and you people ain't kosher at all. But he says, but I, I, I came because the Spirit told me to come. And I'm here. And, and Cornelius said, good. It's good that you're here. Please speak to us. So then Peter goes on to say, and he comes to this one point as he's talking and he sees what's going on. He says, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. Now that was a revelation for Peter, Right? Of a truth, God is no respecter of persons. And then he begins to talk about Jesus. And we come to verse 43. Let's bring up Acts 10, 43. Everybody okay? All right. Now, we already saw the first Jewish converts and those who first experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now we come here to find the first Gentiles. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, this is Peter preaching to Cornelius in his house, whoever believes in him. Now, think about this. What, a, what, a, what music to their ears this must have been because now they knew that they weren't Jews. I mean, Cornelius was doing his best to kind of live like a Jew, but I mean, that's all he could do. But now he hears whoever believes on him. And something happened in Cornelius' heart and the hearts of those who heard that word. We'll receive remission of sins. Now watch this, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Verse 45, and those of the circumcision, those Jews that had come with Peter, as many as came with Peter because of the gift, were astonished, I should say, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Wow. For they heard them, what? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Wow. These guys are astonished thinking, we thought this was only in our club. We thought only the Jews got to this, but now they see these Gentiles, these pagans doing this. Wow, this really is for all. All right? I find it interesting that in Cornelius' house, nobody has prayed a prayer to receive Christ. Right? As we have in our tradition, save the sinner's prayer, repeat after me. I'm not against that, please understand. But I'm just saying, this is the first mention of a Gentile getting saved, and look how easy it was. Come on, church how easy it was for people to get saved. Peter just stood up and preached the gospel because Paul later taught us in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. I just need to be faithful to proclaim that gospel and give somebody an opportunity to believe it and then the rest takes care of itself because the gospel is the power to save. It's not my job to save people. The gospel saves people. It's just my responsibility to declare the gospel and believe it, not be ashamed of it. Amen. So, 
That's what happens. Peter says to him, all the prophets witness it through his name. Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sin. I mean, how simple is that? Boom. All of a sudden, all, the next thing they hear is all these Gentiles speaking in other tongues. It had to have been shocking for them to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't say this in his prayer. We didn't have him fill out a card. Right? It didn't happen. Think about it. They went from hearing somebody preaching to speaking in tongues. How did that happen? Something happened in, the, in between that moment they heard and the moment they spoke in other tongues. Because remember what Jesus said, the very first verse I showed, showed you, those who speak in tongues are believers. Now, I find it also amazing that Peter didn't take this moment to go, whoa, 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 I need, a, I need the discerning of spirits right now. We need to figure out if this is of God or not, if that's some kind of demonic language. Right? They didn't even question it. They didn't even question if it, was, if it was God or if it was the Holy Spirit. They didn't even question it. They went, wow, God gave them the same gift he did to us. Because they knew, they heard Jesus say, these signs will follow believers. Apparently, somewhere along the way, the moment they heard the gospel, they instantaneously believed it. God purified their hearts by faith, and he just gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, all in just like a split second. That's how easy it is to, to be saved, and that's how easy it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the precedent-setting moment for how we as Gentiles come to Christ and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The church is what's made it so difficult. I don't know why the church has made that so hard. These are gifts. Gifts aren't earned. Gifts are received. Amen. Can I get a good amen today? All right. So, well, then there's also the question, too, is this for everybody? Well, I don't speak in tongues. Okay. We can fix that. So I tell my, my denominational friends who I, you know, I fellowship with some pastors who don't speak in tongues. And we've had debates over these kinds of things. I say, you know, if you'll just speak in tongues, you'll get over that. You will. You just get over it. It'll help you. I have one in particular, a friend of mine. I'm believing he's going to get filled with the Spirit. I said, come on, man, let me lay my hands on you. Let's get this thing done. Acts, two, Acts 10, uh, 2, I'm sorry, verse 39. We're going to look at the amplified version of this scripture. Acts 2, 30. Is this for everybody? Is tongues for everyone? All right? Is it for everyone? Is salvation for everyone? That was a good answer. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away, say, that's me, because you're, you're far away. You're like 2,000 years far away. Even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. Now, how many has the Lord called and invited to himself? How many? Could you say everybody? I think we can, we can say everybody because Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave the world his only begotten son. So the invitation to God is for all. Therefore, this gift is therefore for all. All right? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. Let's bring that up for a moment. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Mm-hmm, I wish. Can we all just read that first line together, right, to the comma? Say that again like you like that verse. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Yeah. Amen. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Yeah. 
That sounds like an invitation. And that's my cry for all of you here today. I wish you all spoke with tongues. I hope you all do and will speak with tongues. Yeah. All right? Are you with me still? Yeah. All right. Now, there are some who have argued, oh, this passed away. It's, it's gone with the apostles and all those. Well, we'll have to talk to a lot of early church fathers who, spoke, who regularly practiced tongues. I don't have time to go through all their names, but one of them I would like to mention to you is the great uh, reformist uh, uh, Martin Luther, who thanks to him, we have the kind of church we do today. And when he was introduced, he lived from 1483 to 1546, and when he was introduced, when he would go to, to a speaking engagement, this is how they would introduce him. Dr. Martin Luther is a prophet, evangelist, speaker in tongues, and interpreter in one person, endowed with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Phenomenal. And so it has continued on all the way to the turn of the century in 1900, and Azusa Street took place, and that began to spread like wildfire from there when the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we've all been enjoying it ever since. Amen. Now, we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to give you some things to look at. Why should we speak in tongues? For those of you that already do and those of you who haven't yet, why should we speak in tongues? What's the point of this? Why would God have us speak this goofy sounding language. What's the point of all that? 1 Corinthians 14, Paul leaves out some great instruction. We're going to go to verse 2. Who is that back there? Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much. Sure appreciate it. Can we give Brooke a big hand today? All right. For he, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Wow. So it's another way to pray then, isn't it? It's another way, another avenue with which we can connect to God. We need as many avenues as possible, my family. He who prays in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's what I was talking about earlier, the secrets of God. Don't know, no one understands it, but something is going on in the Spirit that we cannot see, but we have this knowing by the Spirit And it's declared by the Spirit, by utterance of the Spirit, into this natural world so that it can affect our very situation and maybe someone's situation on the other side of the globe. We don't really know. For he who prophesies speaks edification, verse 3, and exhortation and comfort to men. And and that's in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have our annual prophetic conference where we'll have Daniel Plowman is going to be that first Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night on June 14th. And then Pastor Roxanne, we love Pastor Roxanne, don't we? Uh, Well, we like Daniel too. And on Monday and Tuesday night, and then uh, our friend, friend of our ministry, Pastor Burt Wimberly from Kerrville, Texas. So we always lay aside that prophetic conference every year so that, so that our, our people can be ministered to in that way and, then, uh, and just be hungry for the things of God and have the Word of God spoken over your life and encourage you in your walk with God. I always look forward to it. We always have a phenomenal time. Um, we speak to God, not to men. We speak mysteries. And look at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Amen. You can edify yourself. You don't always need somebody else. It's, always, it's nice to have somebody else encouraging along the way, but you can encourage yourself. Yeah. All right? You can edify yourself by praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody need edification? Yeah, we all do. We all do. Because as a Christian, how many of you found out that, you know, I've heard, I heard a guy tell his friend years and years ago, they, go, what, they were in high school together, and he told his friend, 
He got saved and he told his friend, if you get saved, you give life to Jesus, all your troubles go away. And his friend said, well, I can't be too hard on him. He'd been saved one day and it was a really good day for him. But we found out that, that, that being a Christian is, is actually, you really started, that's when the, the, the trouble started more than anything, right? Because the scripture says that we are all in this flow. We are under the influence of the prince of the power of the air. We were, we're all moving with the, the sway of the world. But then when we turn to Christ, not everything that we were in flow with is now coming against us. And there's this continual resistance. And if you're not being resisted by your own flesh, then you're being resisted by this world and its ideologies, its philosophies, continually bombarding us, trying to squeeze us into its mold. And then you got the devil and his demons too, all right? So how many of you know we need some edification? Got to have it. And this is how you can do it, by praying in the Spirit. You edify yourself or you build yourself up, the Scripture says, right? One of the words... For in, in the Greek uh, definition of edify means to promote spiritual growth. Now, I think all of us as Christians, we all want to grow in here, right? We all want to grow in the things of God. Praying in the Spirit will help promote spiritual growth. Jude said, you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, that which you already believe, you're, you're becoming more concrete in it, and you're growing on it as a result. This happens by praying in the Spirit. Isn't that phenomenal? Verse 14 of or 1 Corinthians 14. I know what time it is. It's 9.51. That's what that clock says on that TV. So we got all, we got a long time. For if I pray in a tongue, I love your nervous laugh. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Did you see that? My spirit prays, but my understanding is. Paul, there's no way he could have known what I'm about to tell you except by revelation of the spirit. But I want to read this to you. This is pretty awesome. In 2006, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of five people while they spoke in tongues. Their research was published in the New York Times. The leader of the study team was Dr. Andrew Newberg, who arrived at this conclusion, and I quote, We noticed a number of changes that occurred functionally in the brain. Our finding of decreased activity in the frontal lobes during the practice of speaking in tongues is fascinating because these subjects truly believe that the Spirit of God is moving through them and controlling them to speak. Our brain imaging research shows us that these subjects are not in control of the usual language centers during this activity, which is consistent with their description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. When they prayed in tongues, their frontal lobes, the willful part of the brain we used to think and control what we do, were quiet. The language center of their brains, the part we used to speak in our native language, were quiet as well. Isn't this phenomenal? The, part, uh, uh, the people were not in a trance. They were fully aware of what was happening. The researchers were unable to pinpoint which part of the brain was controlling this behavior of speaking in tongues. That's awesome. Well, if they would have just read 1 Corinthians 14, they would have figured it out, right? If I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. The brain somewhat goes to sleep when we pray in other tongues. And that's why it's unfruitful. That's why when you pray in tongues, and maybe many of you have found this to be true, when you're praying in the Spirit, you find that your mind starts wandering, yeah. right? Amen. You start thinking about other things. What's my next meal? I wish my wife would treat me better. He's praying another time. Not me, honey. That, I'm talking about some. 
Talking about other, th- uh, you, you know, your mind goes to other th- And I can remember, and I've talked to you about this before, and maybe this will remind you to just, to just chill. I used to feel so unspiritual at that moment, right? Be praying in tongues. Because you think that when you're praying in the Spirit, you ought to be having this zenith of a spiritual experience, right? You ought to be on the mountaintop seeing Jesus and all of his glory like the disciples were transformed. I mean, it's just throne room bliss, right? But I found out that ain't altogether true. I try to make my mind concentrate. Try to see Jesus seated on that throne while I'm praying in the tongue. So I'll, I'll feel spiritual at least, but my mind is unfruitful. But that shouldn't discourage you. It should actually encourage you to understand that if your mind is wandering, then no longer are you in control of your language. It's the Spirit praying. So if your mind goes to wonder, say, oh, thank you, Lord, that's my spirit. Right? Because you, if, if you're making up the words, your frontal lobes are very active. All right? But this proves that it's of the spirit, not of your brain. You must be out of your mind to do this. So, here's the problem. And this is where the rubber meets the road, too. So Paul says this amazing statement, if I pray, when I pray in the Spirit, when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, what's the conclusion then? And this is where me and my denominational friends will differ. Because we come to this place in this debate or in this argument or whatever you might call it, and they say, well, I'm not going to do anything I don't understand. That's their conclusion. I'm not going to do anything. I don't Why would I do that? I don't think God would want me to do something I don't understand. If I can't understand it, if my mind is unfruitful, I'm not doing it. But look, at, look what Paul's conclusion is. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I'll sing with the understanding. In other words, if I can understand it, I'm going to do it. If I can't understand it, I'm still going to do it. I'm not going to gauge my walk with God on what I can understand, what I cannot understand. I'm just going to follow God. I'm going to do both of it. I'm going to take everything that God has given me. I'm going to activate every gift he's given me. I'm going to connect to him in every way that I can. Nothing's going to stop me whether I get it or I don't get it. That's not the point. The point is, I need him in my life. I need to know that God's with me. I need to be edified. I want to speak mysteries. Hallelujah. I, I want to talk to God. So, this is what I want to encourage you with today. And by the way, let me remind you, if you have to understand it, because that's really not a very honest thing for a Christian to just come to that place in their life and say, well, if I don't understand it, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but you believe in a virgin having a baby, and you don't understand that. Hmm? You believe that Jesus Christ took all the blame for what you did you can't understand that, but yet you accept it, and you believe that. Hmm? All kinds of things that we don't understand, yet we believe, but when it comes to tongues, I don't understand why that's always the choke point. All right? You're almost, you're already a freak, about 75%, 80%. Just go all the way. Right? Speak in tongues, too. And what do you got to lose now? A virgin had a baby. All right? That already separates you from a lot of other people. A lot. <laughs> I will. So what Paul taught us this too is that he says, I will pray in the Spirit. So this isn't, this isn't something where God comes 
down and, and, and he, he takes control of you and he makes you pray in tongues. All right? Remember the key word in that verse, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit. I will, 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 will. God's not going to do anything outside of your will. All right? You want it, you want it activated? Will it and it'll happen. All right? So when I was talking Wednesday night in our series, Our God of Abundance, and I want to encourage you to come. It's been a great, great series. Thank you. That was a good time to say amen. Uh, anyway, we're talking about prosperity. This, uh, this young lady, I told him, I said, we're gonna, I'm going to teach on Sunday. We're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to talk about the baptism of the Spirit. So be here, and then, and then I'll give you an opportunity to receive, you know, after, after we're done. So this girl comes up to me, uh, Elena. She's not here today, and she says, well, I'm not going to be here Sunday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on then. No, me and Brian Gray, Brian came and got me. He said, she says she's not going to be here Sunday. So we went over and prayed with her. And I mean, laid hands on her, and that girl just started speaking in other tongues. It was awesome. So I want to give you the opportunity today to receive. And maybe, maybe some of you are here and you haven't been practicing it. All right? Come and just... Get recharged in it today. I'm going to have some, some of our leaders come up here, and, and uh, as we dismiss you, I'm going to dismiss you today. And those of you that want to stay and experience this, stay. Don't leave here without receiving this great gift from God. We, we need all the help that we can get, and God offers help to us in this language of the Spirit. So come and receive. Expect it. Today you can leave here changed, bettered, your life bettered by this experience. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.